Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We Christians, the church, collectively, we have the answers to the world's problems. Isn't that amazing? But we do. We have the answers to the world's problems. The world's problems, you see, are just an expanded version of people's problems. The problems in the world are due to the conflicts that people have with one another. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, in a message titled, Transferring the Gospel from Church to Culture. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Well, here we are. We're coming right down to the final portion of Paul's letter to the Colossians, and we'll actually finish up Colossians in our next study. But we're looking at just these four verses today, and this is really the conclusion of the practical application portion of this letter. Remember, we looked at life in the community of God. We looked at how the church is to look and feel when we are gathered together collectively. And then we looked at what Christians are to be like in the context of the marital relationship, in the context of family relationships. We looked at uh, the Christian in the workplace. We looked at both the employee and the employer. And now here today, Paul is giving us some final words on the church's mission of bringing the gospel. And remember, the gospel is the message of reconciliation with God through faith in Jesus. And we have been commissioned, we have been given this as our mission to bring this gospel to a dark, dying, and desperately needy world. So think about this. We Christians... The church, collectively, we have the answers to the world's problems. Isn't that amazing? But we do. We have the answers to the world's problems. The world's problems, you see, are just an expanded version of people's problems. The problems in the world are due to the conflicts that people have with one another and that it can be on a relatively small scale, you know, just one person against another, but it can go all the way to people groups and it can go to nations and it can go to, into war and things like that. So, so let's never forget that we, the church, we have the answer because the gospel fixes people. That's what it does. The gospel fixes people by putting us into a right relationship with God. That's the very thing that we were created for. It fixes us by breaking the power of sin over our lives and by giving us a new nature. And that new nature is none other than God's nature. God takes up residence in us. He dwells in us by the spirit. So that's how God fixes us. 
he brings us to himself and he places his life within us. And when we get fixed and other people around us get fixed, and as far out as that spreads, the more people there are that get fixed, then society gets fixed, culture changes, and the world potentially can change. And so the gospel is the means through which God does this work of repairing. And so the world needs the gospel. We, the church, have the gospel. So the question is, how do we transfer the gospel to the world. Paul lays out here basically three ways that we transfer the gospel to the world. Number one, we pray for the gospel to go forth through the messengers of the gospel. Secondly, we conduct ourselves wisely among those who are outside, those who are not yet part of the kingdom. And then thirdly, we speak graciously and truthfully to those outside when the opportunities arise. So we're gonna look at those three things together here today. So beginning with Paul's words in verse two, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer. Another translation reads, devote yourselves to prayer. And we've talked about prayer many, many times before, of course, This is something as Christians that we learn from the earliest stages of our Christian life, that we have this wonderful privilege of prayer. We have this opportunity to pray. We also need to remember that we have an obligation to pray. But let's think about prayer for a moment in just the privilege that we have of prayer. And and so when Paul says, give yourselves continually to prayer or continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, the word vigilant, means to be alert, to watch. And so as Paul is saying these things, he's really talking about this is to be the posture of the church. The church is just to live, you know, you know what your posture is. Your posture, a lot of times it can have a reference to your physical posture. You know, you stand a certain way. Uh, when I was younger, you know, sometimes my mother would say to me, you need to stand up straight. You're slouching. And, you know, I think my teachers did that more than my mom did actually, but it was, you know, it was an effort to adjust my posture. And so your posture is the way you stand. It's the, it's just kind of the way you are. Well, for Christians, for the church, for us, our posture is to be one of prayer that we just as naturally as as we would you know, stand in a certain way, that we would pray that that would be something that would be a constant in our lives. And so the idea is that we're always praying and we are praying about everything. And as he said, being vigilant, we're watching and we're being alert for things to pray about. You know, there are times when it's very clear what we should pray about There are times when it's not as clear. There are times when we might not even sometimes for whatever reason have a clue. You know, sometimes, although I know the reality is there are many, many things, probably more things that I could pray about than I could even count. But sometimes I find myself with a mental blank 
And I think, well, you know, what am I, what, you know, I, I want to pray. I have some time to pray. As a matter of fact, I had this experience um, just a couple of days ago. I like to use my time for running. I, I go out and do a run on a pretty regular basis. And I use that as a prayer time because it's a one time when I am just sort of away from every distraction. So I remember the other morning I went out and as I started off my run, I said to the Lord, Lord, I really want to pray. But I, I, I mean, it was just one of those moments because I had prayed about a number of things through earlier in the week. So I didn't want to just repeat myself. So it was one of those moments where I was like, Lord, you know, I don't know what to pray about. So would you put things on my heart that you would have me to pray about? So I ran, you know, a distance. I, I kind of went to the halfway point of where I was running to. And, and suddenly... I began to have some thoughts about, oh, I need to pray for this and I need to pray for this person. And it, was, it ended up being a wonderful time. As a matter of fact, one of the people that I prayed for on the run, I ended up having a conversation with them shortly after about all the things that I was praying about them for. And it was one of those things that I didn't even know that those things were going on, but then I prayed about them and then I spoke to her and she confirmed that that was actually what was happening in her life at the moment. So I'm just giving an example of how the spirit will prompt us to pray. And like I said, I do it when I'm out on my jogs because that's a time where I can be without distraction. But what Paul is talking about, not just here, but in many of his letters, is that we would, again, we would just develop this posture of prayer where we would just pray. It would just be what we do. It's the thing that we as Christians do. But then he adds this. He says, being earnest in prayer, being vigilant in it. But then he adds with thanksgiving as he so often does. And I think, you know, when we pray, we are thanking the Lord as, as part of our prayer. You know, we're thanking the Lord for his goodness. We're thanking God for what he's done. I know oftentimes I find myself doing that because I'll, I'll be praying for certain things. And again, <laughs> I don't want to belabor the point. I'm not trying to talk about my own personal experience with running here, but it, it's relevant because I have run the same path for about 10 years. So in running this path for about 10 years, I have prayed for a lot of things over this 10-year period. And so what I do now quite often is as I'm running and as I'm at a certain point, I will just remember things that I prayed about in the past and things that God has answered. And so I will find myself thanking God. Lord, I thank you for the prayers that have been answered in the past. And that will just then prompt me to also thank the Lord for the way he's going to answer prayer in the future because he's answered prayer in the past and I've got the evidence of it. I remember these days or months, you know, where I would pray the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And then finally, boom, there was a breakthrough. So as I'm going along today, I'm praying with thanksgiving. I'm thanking him for what he's done in the past. And I'm also thanking him for what he is yet to do. So that, again, our posture, that's the, the general picture here is as we just continue earnestly in prayer. But now Paul gets very specific in his request. And this really takes us to the first point that 
I mentioned earlier, praying for the gospel to go forth through the messengers of the gospel. So look at verse three. He says, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery in Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest or that I may make it known as I ought to speak. And so pray for us, Paul says. Paul is asking prayer for himself and those who are his co-laborers. And I think this is something that is really important for us to understand. And and I want us to think of it in the context of, of the body because you know, there are certain people within the body of Christ. I was reading in uh, 1 Corinthians today and uh, Paul speaks about the body being made up of different parts. And he speaks of the, uh, you know, part of the body, of course, being the mouth and speech and so forth. And, and there are those that God has placed in the body who he has called to be the mouthpiece in a sense. He's called to be the spokesman. But if you think of it just in the you know, just looking at the body itself. Here I am, I'm speaking to you right now. But as you can see, my whole body is involved in what I'm doing. So my hands are moving a little bit. And of course my brain is working and I'm thinking and my, I'm able to, you know, articulate, form the words, my vocal cords, my tongue, all, all of these things. They're all working together for the message to go out. And, but now transfer that picture over to the church. So the church is made up of all kinds of people, but not everyone in the church is the mouthpiece. But for those that are, we need the support of the rest of the body to be able to do what we do. And that's where prayer comes in. And that's what Paul is asking for. He says, pray for us, the messengers of the gospel, those who speak the word that God would open to us a door. That's the prayer. Pray that God would open to us a door. The effort to get the gospel to people is one that we cannot accomplish on our own. I can't accomplish it on my own. I need the assistance of the rest of the body. I need the prayers of the body. But of course, we're praying to the Lord because we can't accomplish this apart from God himself opening a door. We need the Lord to go before us and to open doors. You know, this, this past week, earlier in the week, I was reading through the gospel of Luke in my morning reading. And I was in the fifth chapter and I, I read the story. I'm very familiar with this story, but I read again that story where Jesus is there. He's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's being pressed by this, this great crowd of people. So he gets into one of the little boats, the boat that happened to belong to Simon Peter. And there he's teaching from the sitting in the boat. Then people are gathered on the shore, this, this vast crowd. And at the end of the teaching, Jesus says to Simon and the other disciples, he says, he says go out into the deep and throw out your net for a catch. And Peter said, Lord, <laughs> we fished all night and we didn't catch anything. And, you know, of course, Peter is a lifelong fisherman. This has been his entire life on this particular lake. He knows it like the back of his hand. Jesus is not really a fisherman. We know he was a carpenter, 
Of course, we know he's the son of God as well, but Peter didn't quite realize that at the time. But anyway, Peter finally, he gives in and he says, okay, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. So they go out into the deep, they throw out the net, and what happens? They, they end up with a haul of fish that is so great that the nets are breaking. And Peter realizes at this moment that there's something more to Jesus than meets the eye. So when he gets back to the shore and he encounters the Lord, it says that Peter fell down at the knees of Jesus and he said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus said this, he said, do not be afraid, Simon, for from now on, you will catch men. Now, this is something that Jesus called those apostles to. He called them to be fishers of men. He called them to catch men. So as I read that story, and I was thinking about myself, and I was thinking about those other men who co-labor alongside of me here, and I was just thinking about, you know, church leaders and ministers of the gospel all around, and I was thinking, Lord, all of us want to catch we want to catch men. We want to see the nets filled. And, and yet it just seems like uh, we're fishing all night and we're not catching anything. And you know, it just suddenly struck me that Jesus did something miraculous. There was something supernatural that happened here. As Peter said, they fished all night, didn't catch anything. How did they suddenly catch this great school of fish? Well, Jesus did something supernaturally to bring them there. And it just got me to start thinking about the scriptures and, and the story that unfolds from the gospels through the book of Acts, how the Lord went before the apostles. He sent them out into the world to preach the gospel to everyone, but he went before them doing the very thing that Paul is asking for prayer for. He went before them opening doors. So think about the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Uh, remember, there's this multitude of people that are in Jerusalem because of the feast and the spirit is poured out and the apostles are baptized in the spirit and they go out and they begin to praise the Lord and a crowd gathers together and they preach and 3000 souls were added to the church that very day. But you see, there was a supernatural component there. God did something. He poured out his spirit on the apostles. He assembled the people there in Jerusalem with open hearts who were ready to receive. He opened a door. And as you follow the story through the book of Acts, whether it's Peter going to, well, back up a little bit, whether it's Philip going to Samaria or Peter going to the house of Cornelius or Paul and Barnabas going to the various Gentile cities, you find that God is at work. And all of that to say, that's what we long for and that's what we should be praying for today. Praying that God will open a door. That's what Paul prayed for. He said, pray that the Lord will open a door for the word. And then, so Paul is saying, you know, pray that God will prepare the soil, open the door, bring the people, however you want to look at it. That's the one part of it. But then he says, and pray for me that I may make the gospel known or you could translate it as another translation does, uh, that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. 
You see, and that's the prayer for us, the servants of God, those who have been given that particular calling to be the mouthpiece, so to speak, to proclaim the word. We need, just like we need the Lord to open a door, we need him to move among those outside to prepare their hearts, to create the environment, the opportunity. We need him to do all of that, but we also need him once that everybody's assembled, we need him to then empower us so we can proclaim clearly the word. And so as I'm sharing this with you, I am asking you and inviting you and showing you from scripture that this is how we all work together for the furtherance of the gospel. I myself and our other pastoral staff, the guys who have that same gift to teach and preach and and not just here at our local church, but of course, beyond this, all of those who have that gift that the body of Christ, the people of God, who might not have that specific calling, but yet know that part of their calling is to pray for the opportunity and then the empowering to bring the word clearly as we should. And so this is how the whole body works together to further the gospel. And so the first thing we see as we're talking once again, and I've entitled the message today, transferring the gospel from church to culture. So we've got the gospel, it's here among us. We have a responsibility, we have a calling to get it out from here, out into the larger culture. And so we start with prayer as we see. Secondly, here as we go on and we look at the uh, fifth verse, Paul now says to everyone, he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom. The NIV, that verse reads like this. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Boy, I'll tell you, today we need wisdom in navigating the, this current cultural moment that we're in. We really need the wisdom of God as we seek to relate to outsiders. And and I can't think of a better way to elaborate on what Paul is saying here than to quote from the book of James. As I was looking over this and I was thinking about wisdom, I was thinking, uh, suddenly it just came to my mind, oh, that, that beautiful passage in James, the third chapter that speaks to us about wisdom and what the wisdom from above or what heavenly wisdom really looks like. And when we think of what Paul is saying here, walk in wisdom, this is the kind of thing that he's talking about. But let me say this, James in chapter three, he speaks of two kinds of wisdom. And remember, James is speaking to Christians and he's saying there's, when it comes to wisdom, there's two possibilities. He says that there is one type of wisdom that has beneath the surface bitterness, jealousy, and selfish ambition. He calls it a wisdom. It's a way of navigating life. It's a way of, you know, trying to be a Christian, but it's absolutely the wrong way to go about it. He says that this wisdom does not come from heaven, 
but is earthly, natural, and demonic. So he's warning about a a pseudo kind of a wisdom that can creep into the church. For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury. We live in a body that is subject to age, accidents, and ailments. Entire industries are built around the age of our body, the accidents we may face, and the ailments we eventually face through time and circumstance. So is there a purpose in the bodily brokenness we are either facing or will face in the future? Is physical death the temporal climax of our bodily existence? Or is the body just a shell from which we are to ultimately escape? If you've ever wrestled with any of these questions, or you know someone who wants to know more about the ultimate purpose of the body, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Colossians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.